Welcome to Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Raffa, and joined with me today is my co-host, Anthony Dana. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, doctor. How are you doing today, Anthony? I'm doing great. On this gloomy day? Outside. Yeah, gloomy day. <laughs> It was a fun Halloween party over at Interbalance last night. Costume uh, parties. Yeah, right? a lot of people showing up who did and dressed up. It was a fine time. I know how to throw a party, Anthony. Okay, so... So what's our topic today? We're going to talk about those dreaded thinking traps. Oh, yeah. How to avoid them and mm-hmm. what they are. Right. And I'm going to probably ask you a lot of questions about all of these, which mm-hmm. is the norm. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to start with your quote or do you want me to... You start about? with your quote first. Because this is a surprise for you. Yeah, I don't know what your you, quote is. You have no idea what my quote is. I had to show you my quote because it was a funny visual, but obviously the audience won't be able to see it, but I can Maybe explain it. Yeah, we can explain it pretty good. So again, what's your quote? All right. Clear thinking requires courage rather than intelligence. And this is by Thomas Shaz. S-Z-A-S-Z. So... Okay. I like what he's saying. I could flip it to, well, Mm -hmm. if you're intelligent enough to know that you need to have courage sometimes, there's Mm -hmm. that. But sometimes people mistake and, you know, like one being more important than the other. Well, this reminds me of our episode on fear. I know we talked a lot about that the last few days too, about fear, right? And how powerful that is as a motivator. And we're going to delve into that with other topics too. Yeah, I think that people have to be insightful and aware and open to looking at their thinking and that requires some courage Mm -hmm. because when people are intelligent, they tend to rationalize. They tend to really just be in rational mind and not really like feel their feelings, I guess, so to speak. So I think it does take courage, first of all, to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. It's courageous to do so and stay (laughs) in therapy. Right, no, and I'm not trying to say one's more important than the other either, but some people just, you know, they think they're, well, I'm very smart. And I'm like, yeah, but you also have to be brave, you know, and you also have to, you know, take chances and have courage enough to go to therapy, have courage enough to do what you feel is right inside, uh, whatever that is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, well, Machiavelli said, you have to be like a a lion and a fox. So a fox thinks and and avoids traps and how apropos, we're thinking traps. And then also, okay, and then it's time to, you know, roar and fight and be the lion. Or I think it was a tiger. It was a tiger and fox, yeah. A tiger and fox. Either either a fox or, you know, or a tiger or a lion. I don't want to, you know, mingle with either one, but... Well, they're both cats. Yes. Uh, I, uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. Well, so, so staying with the animals, so oh, my thinking trap you. quote is, now. The, so this is a visual, so you have to picture it, everybody, okay? It's a bunch of sheep, and they look like they're, it's like this mass of sheep, and then there's this opening where all the sheep are filtering through, all right? They look like they're getting out of something, because you can't really see, because it's a... They're running, uh, kind of running. Yeah, they're kind of <laughs> running, you know, and so it's a shot from high above, and the quote is... A herd of sheep is leaving the stall. There is no fence, only a gate. So you picture that there's a gate and they go through the gate and they're all huddled to wait their turn to go through a gate and there's no fence. <laughs> and they're on the side of the <laughs> gate. And now I did, I didn't tell you this part. So as I was looking through, somebody fact checked that because mm-hmm. that's who they are. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't think the picture existed. It looked like a prefabricated or some kind of like print. The, yeah. I didn't, but like, no, this was not a actual picture. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't take away from the quote yeah. and the meaning. Because sheep nice don't try. Really function in yeah. that manner. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah so uh, elaborate on that. 
Well, okay, uh, so being that I was able to, you know, get the whole visual of this, it was... Yeah, I had to show you the, I I mean, had to show you the picture. Yeah. Well, my initial response was I laughed, obviously. Like, oh, yeah, okay. So, um, right, so these people tend to, and that's kind of reminds me of our another episode we're going to do on social psychology stuff, a group think, you know, people kind of just follow the herd and don't think for themselves mm-hmm. or even examine their thinking. They just take their thinking to be truth. And one of the things when you come to therapy is you start kind of questioning and thinking about your thinking. So yeah, they didn't have to go, the sheep don't have to go through the imaginary gate and follow one another. There's a whole world out there of like, just, hey, I can escape this way through this no boundary, right? There's just no yeah. sense. No yeah. sense at all. Yeah, I guess it has to do with this same, you know, phenomenon of sheeple. But I sometimes, and I can't help myself, but when I have a kid in my class who copies off of some other kid who just put every answer wrong and then they copied off that kid it's like okay i don't encourage cheating but my god if you're gonna do it can you make do sure the person you know like i well. you know maybe look around the class and go okay they get all a's i might want to look out for that person's paper or ask them to borrow their homework not like just any why don't you just throw any answer down and that's what that kid did but you're going to copy off of his paper and you're going to have his incorrect answers and they're going to be at least his incorrect answers are original you know (laughs) yours are unoriginal and they're wrong yeah like wow it's sad well it is i mean yeah people don't think for themselves and it's it's so much easier to just go along with the norm or go along with societal beliefs you know i've talked about the cognitive model and about like how family beliefs are learned you know people Mm. don't really oh okay this is what my parents believed about the world or about a group of people or this is how you do things and they never really question this is the way you do things. I mean, I think a lot of people who are free thinkers or open-minded thinkers know that everything is relative. You know, the way our parents did things and thought, I think, was relative to the time period, to what cards they were dealt. And now there's a different deck. It's a different game. It's, you know, uh, the environment. Everything is changing. Right. Different era, different generation. And, you know, beliefs change throughout the different eras. Like we talked about, I think, a little bit before was people during the Great Depression thought very differently than, you know, they think now. Which reminds me of a book, The Fourth Turning. I think I've mentioned that book to you. You might have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to look up and see who the author is, but I know we, t- we tend to shout out to books, but it kind of reminds me of that. It's like a social psychology history meld that is a good read. All right. So we're going to have our Q&A se- yes. session right now, right? So what I have for you is just a, you know, a generic question, because when we were uh, discussing our topic of thinking traps, you know, this is a big part of CBT, right? This is a very, very CBT. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's the core, core of it. I right. So just to, I guess, reiterate, I'm sure we've touched on this uh, in like one of our first two or three shows, but mm-hmm. what exactly can I expect from visiting a true, all caps and underlined end quote, true CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapist, not somebody who dabbles in it, but somebody who is authentic and, and classically <laughs> trained, as, as, as it were. As I was, right? Yes. Yeah. We're certified cognitive behavioral therapists. We're very structured in the way in which we follow an agenda and the way that we start with the cognitive model. So the cognitive model is looking at an event, looking at your belief and your automatic thoughts. We all have automatic thoughts that pop into our mind. We live day to day with thousands of these thoughts, by the way, that we cannot control, hence the word automatic. And then we have a feeling that follows. 
Also in the cognitive model, it could be thought of as there's a situation and then you have automatic thoughts about it and then you have a feeling slash behavior. It could be physiological response too. And we go through this cycle all the time and we never really look at our thinking because we can interpret situations erroneously. Now, when I introduce the cognitive model to people, I draw it on the whiteboard and show them. We use an example from their life that's relative to them. Maybe I use one for mine or something to make it more uh, identifiable. We look at the different distortions that we all make, by the way. It isn't like this, you know, like the only the elite people don't make it, don't make these distortions. But what we know about when people have anxiety and depression is they get really stuck with this cycle of thinking and they're called thinking traps. Self-defeating thoughts are a nice way to say it. People sometimes get offended if we talk about their dysfunctional thinking. It's mostly adolescents that kind of think that way. So fine, we'll call them thinking traps. So these are ways in which people think, we think, that are self-defeating or not helpful or not true, so to speak. Yeah, you know, when you talk about enemies or adversaries, your biggest opponent in life really is yourself, mm -hmm. isn't it? I mean, it's oh, yeah. mm -hmm. you... Get in your own way. Oh, my God. I mean, nobody can harm you more than yourself. I mean, everyone has these. So it's kind of like this commonality and this, like, uh, everyone has thoughts that are distorted. It's just that some people can catch them, check them, change them, and then move on. How many thinking traps are there? Well, it depends on what you read, but the go-to is uh, 13. So it's a lot to go through. Obviously, we're not going to go through all 13 today, okay. but we're going to go into a few of them. Okay. I'm going to go through a couple of them. We're just going to uh, touch on as many as we can get to, three mm -hmm. or four. We'll see how it goes. Right. And we'll go from there, and then we'll continue on, you know, and finish the list some other time. Yeah, we'll have a part one, part two, part three, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so first on the list you have here is, okay, overgeneralizing. Okay. <clears throat> so the key with overgeneralizing is looking for the words always and never. Now, when people are often in relationships, especially with couples therapy, they will say this about their significant other. He always leaves his shoes on the floor. She always comes home late. He never watches TV with me. And it's rare, <laughs> it's such a global statement, that someone can do something all the time. Now, there could be often, there could be sometimes, but it's putting like one scenario let's say and saying it happens all the time so let's say we went to a restaurant and we got a bad meal at that restaurant and we didn't like it and now we say we're never going to go to this restaurant or anything akin to it ever again that's this whole idea of generalizing that everybody or all things are this way all the time kind of like pessimism to a degree you know mm -hmm. So do you, do you hear this? You hear people saying this? Yeah, mm -hmm. I know what they're trying to say, but when you say it like that, like you said, like, oh man, you always do that. Okay, and then sometimes the person might catch themselves. Okay, you do it a lot, time, you know, yeah. and, but right. they, sometimes they hear themselves if you remind well, they them. they catch it. Yeah. Well, what's really cool is when I've been working with people in CBT for a while, like they catch all these trigger, these self-defeating thoughts. And I don't even have to realize, I don't even say anything. I just look up maybe at them or they just catch it. It's so great. Oh, all right, fine. It's not a waste. Well, and, it's not and, never. When we get to one down here, this is one that you have opened my eyes to. And every time I say this word, I catch myself or I look at you. And, and oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, again, there's a tease, but we'll get to it at the end of this show. But yeah, sometimes what I like to do is, you know, if there's a debate, you know, sometimes in class or, you know, I like to play devil's advocate. So I'll have a kid if he's like, whatever, if he's going to be pro-choice, I'm going to be pro-life. If he's going to be pro-life, I'll just be pro-choice. And I'll just see yeah. what see where he or she's going with it. Just rational thought and go back and forth. And so sometimes they'll even do this and you know okay it's always i go okay always 
And then I go, okay. So, because mm. again, like, and I always tell the kids too, when they're taking a test and there's a multiple choice question that says always or never, mm, most of the time it's, that's, that's your clue right there. It is. And there are like these keywords that you can look out for with yourself. And also when, uh, when people are depressed, they have these thoughts about themselves. Maybe it comes in the form of nobody. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. You know, I'm always a loser. I always fail a test. I'm not, you know. So you can say it about yourself too, or like I said about others, like as far as, uh, and that incites anger generally. If, yeah. you, if you believe that someone is always a certain way, then how are you going to feel? You're yeah, gonna it's feel like it. you're talking yourself into hating that person, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they always do that. Yeah, it's like almost like, you know, that little devil on your shoulder is kind of prompting you. Yeah, it's prompting you into thinking that. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, people really think this way about other people, like family members or like I said, significant others. And then when we sit there, all right, well, tell me a time Give me an example. Well, it's just all the time. There's too many to count. Well, if it happens all the time, now, then you would have some examples. I, but sometimes I don't like that. And you and I have gone back and forth with this because if I accuse you of something or if, and then you say, tell me when that happened. It's like, I didn't document the event and write it down. But if you would like me to, right. there will be an audit and you will see that here's, okay, on the, 15th, on the 15th of August at 2.22, you know, but I do understand... You know, there might be one or two moments that Fresh really stand mind. out, sure. But again, the other person <laughs> might be, I don't remember that. Well, it is you made that up. And I've had that happen to me too. Like, okay, give me a time. And I'm like, and you're flooded emotionally. And you're like, I don't remember what right. it was and where I was and what I was doing and what I was wearing. I have no idea. Right. But then so. maybe an hour later, it's, okay, fine, here. And then you, you text the person or something. Here's the, go through, scroll through your text. All right, yeah. this was a time when right. I did that. Yeah. I wrote it in my notes because I knew you were going to ask me this a month from now. Yeah, <laughs> you anticipate that. Well, people say this stuff over and over. And that's another thing with thinking traps is it's like it's not like this new thing. It's this kind of sticky automatic thought that keeps coming up. And I tell people they have their favorites, their top three, you know. Okay, what are your top three thinking traps? And we look through, you know, Ooh. that. Well, see, when we're done this, I'm going to try to figure out what my top three are. Because I mean, everybody has them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, everybody has them. Even, even I do. I have them, yeah. too. All right, so overgeneralizing. Now, number two, catastrophizing. So people love this word because it's up kind of a made-up It's word. different. Yes, it is made-up, right? I want to say... Because when I, I read it, I go, is that a real word? You know, I don't know the origin, but I want to give the Beck family credit for it. There okay. also is another version of it from Albert Ellis, who you know was a psychologist as well, and he called it awfulizing. So awfulizing, catastrophizing. I have worksheets specifically on decatastrophizing. Were Beck and Ellis boys? Weren't they like they worked together? Mm. I remember there was somebody when we were looking at the biography. I don't want to say they probably knew each other. Okay, I, because I think they they. Well, Ellis was in New York. He's deceased, but he still has the Ellis Institute that's there. Right, so the and Beck Institute's in Philly. Oh, and have we done a Beck check? Is he doing okay? He just had his hundredth birthday. I know. No. I emailed his son, though. And I, oh, did you? Yeah, okay. I thanked him for his influence on <laughs> oh. CBT and Talk Therapy. I just therapy. coined a new phrase, a Beck check. A Beck check. Wow. Know, you're going to Google Where do I come up Explain catastrophizing. All right. So Sorry. catastrophizing. Should I explain it? Or you do it while I'm looking up Aaron Beck and see how he's doing. All right. So when you believe something is a catastrophe, you tell yourself that it's so horrible and awful that you can't stand it. So when people have anxiety disorders, specifically generalized anxiety disorder, even OCD, they catastrophize. So I couldn't stand it if this thing were to happen and kind of like it would be so awful. It would be so terrible. And they go from zero to 60 with something happening. Like, let's see, what would an example be? Okay. So somebody missed their flight or no, I'm sorry. Their flight was delayed. Oh my gosh, the airport's going to lose my luggage. 
I'm going to be, you know, I'm never going to get there. I'm going to get fired. And they end up this whole down the rabbit hole. Maybe they're dead on the street somewhere and poor and just homeless. And so it becomes this, this whole. <laughs> then I'll be street. dead on the street. Then what will I do? Well, yeah. well, actually, that's what I <laughs> ask people. Okay, yeah. then what? Then what would you do? I don't know. So people get stuck with the how bad they would feel if that catastrophe were to occur. And then I'll say, all right, well, then what would you do? And my patients know this. I'm like, okay, then what? All right, then what? And there's some tough then what's, I'll tell you. But we still go through a coping plan of how they would cope with that thing happening. Now, what's really hard, you know, I mentioned to you that I cannot predict that this thing won't happen. Like, I don't know, maybe you will miss your flight. I, I can't control that. But you would like them to also understand and appreciate that the odds of that happening. Well, you try. You try, but, you try they, but it. it still could happen. They focus on the 1% chance of it happening because right. we can go through, we can look up stats on flights being delayed sure, or sure, crashing sure, sure, right. or whatever. It doesn't matter because people with anxiety have that microscope, you know, like they're focusing in on that 1% chance. Because they didn't prepare for it. Well, they, they think that if I prepare for it yeah. and think of it, they don't, often don't think if I prepare for it, then, you know. But that's what you're better. doing that's for them. That's what I'm doing right. for them is helping them prepare with the fire drill. Right. For the flat tire and you call AAA and what do you do? Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. Yeah. I, I say that every day at nauseum. Worst case scenario. What would you do then? Worst case scenario. And I'll ask people, okay, what's the worst case scenario? And then I have them tell me what their worst case scenario is. And then I say, what would you do? Let's write it down on a piece of paper. How would you cope with that worst case? And now I'll tell you, most of the time that thing never happens. Sure. Or if it does happen, it's not as bad as they think. And they're able to get through it. And they know what they're going to do. They have a panic plan. They have a panic plan, yeah. yeah. And they get through it. And usually people come back because I actually have a behavioral experiment worksheet for people. And they come back and I'm like, oh, okay, so let's go over it. What'd you learn? And most of the time they tell me. Yeah, I was wrong. I'm like, yeah, okay, you're wrong. Of course, of course you're wrong. Your behavioral experiment helped and it's very experiential. I know I said before, as many times as I can tell people, you'll be fine. Even if that catastrophe happens, you're resilient. I believe in you. They have to experience it. Do you find that these patients that often always catastrophize certain events, that the more and more that you go over these plans with them, the less likely that they're going to, you know, okay, I realize that I make a mountain out of a molehill quite too often, or is it just, this is just how I am, but as long as I keep doing this with you or keep coming up with a plan, mm-hmm. I'll be okay. But uh, this is just who I am. And I, yeah. 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 Definitely. There's people that are, you know, it takes longer for them to right. get you know, on board with it, but it's so great for me to see because even after a year, year and a half, maybe a therapy, let's say a longer term treatment plan, you see the evolution, you know, as a psychologist, you see people catching their thinking and they come in and they tell me how they got through that tough thing. We don't have to go over the what if plan because they did it or they'll tell me hey that thing did happen that I was really worried about and I was able to handle it so that's a big bulk of my work is the decatastrophizing for so many people because so many people have anxiety disorders (laughs) and individuals that have anxiety are like the sky is falling type of you know thinking which is awful by the way to sit and think about like be stuck in that loop Well, worst case scenarios, right? Yeah. And the one good thing I can see doing this with your patients is I can see a patient maybe, okay, so in that week, however often you see them say, it's like two days later, there's a new event Mm -hmm. that they're worried about. They can't really contact you, but they, okay, what would Dr. Rafa have me do? You know, and then maybe they play that conversation and that can help them out in that regard. And I've had people say that, and I think somebody like coined it, like, what would Dr. Rafa do? Like an acronym or something. (laughs) I'm like, thanks. Or like, oh, my voice was in their head. I'm like, oh, 
okay, cool. Like, yeah. That's good because I want people to become their own therapist. Sure. And think of it. So there's a lot of key questions. What are the odds of it happening? The it thing. If it does happen, how likely is it to do you in? I know you mentioned yesterday about like, all right, well, this thing happens. Is it you're going to be bothered by that in five years? Like, is it yeah. really, really going to be the end all be all if you get an F on that test? Mm-hmm. Does it matter? No. If the worst does happen, what will I do and how will I handle it? Which again, is we call a coping plan. So I think that that is by far one of the biggest cognitive distortions, thinking traps traps, out there. All right. Here's the one that I was referring to because you have corrected me this quite often. (laughs) And and you you would say to me, you not, you, I don't think you say you shouldn't say the word should. You would say, I would not. You would say, you know, Mm -hmm. but you, you, how would you put it? Don't say the word should. Yeah. And I, I should be doing this right now. It's like, well, you want to be doing that right now. Not you should be doing it. It's something that you would want to or need to do. So this is number three, the shoulds. Oh, the shoulds. So this is a big one. They also come in other forms, the musts and the oughts and their demands that we make of ourselves. The the clue to hearing ourselves shooting all over ourselves is the should, the shooting all over ourselves. I just should myself. Oh, you did. I know, right? Why'd you do that? I don't know. Got to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Okay, so these are easy to spot. When people have shoulds, they are demands that they make of themselves. And do you ever feel good when you should? Well, sometimes if I really, (laughs) if I just had coffee. No, 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 no. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah, we're still we're we're still a little loopy from the the party last night. We need more coffee. Mm-hmm. All right. Generally, we feel pretty bad after we should. Like, I should have done better on that test. I should be a better driver. I should be a better parent. Do we ever feel really good? No, because we fall short of that demand. It's typically an unreasonable demand. We don't allow ourselves to be fallible and make mistakes. We are imperfect, and accepting that is a good thing. So we need to reframe that. That's a word in CBT is reframing. So another way of looking at it is I would have liked to go to the gym today. I would have liked to go grocery right. shopping. Is I would have some, liked to. Is that something, I mean, to cut you off, is that something that maybe parents need oh, to, yes. like instead of saying you should be, no, what you need to do is focus more on the books or, you know, what what yes. you aren't working on or what you need to work on. Parents are unfortunately very guilty of this with their children. Well, I think that's where we get it from. Like, oh, I mean, you that's t- maybe it's, what, it's what completely we, you know, parental. Yeah. Absolutely. We were told we should be doing yes. this and not it's that. The langu- and that's what I mean about family beliefs. It's passed on. This is what you should do. And they don't mean harm. They're not like being mean or whatever with their kids, but it holds kids to a standard of, you know, performance. And then they feel like terrible yeah, or I mean, crappy as like, if they don't meet that parental demand. Shame. You know? It is shame. It induces shame. It induces guilt, generally. And when people start talking about feelings, like, and then we kind of comb through their automatic thoughts and elicit them, there's a hidden should. It comes in hidden forms. And I'm venturing to say that if one feels guilty, there is a should thought attached to it. It might not be imminent right there in your conscious awareness, but there's generally a should or an ought to or a must or an obligation that comes with it. So we like to reframe them. First of all, you have to be aware that you're shoulding and change it to, I would have liked to, I want to, you know, and that just feels more forgiving. I don't know about you if you say I should mow the lawn as opposed to I would like to mow the lawn. Yeah, I had this discussion with you where I said, well, it's there's nothing bad about being tough on yourself, but it's how you how you frame it. Right. So I need to like as a person, I need to do this more often if I want to accomplish this, not I should be doing this. 
want to and need to, or maybe the two more appropriate words to put in there. Right, right. And I would say I would like to because it's in line line with your values and your goals. And it's just more forgiving because then you beat yourself up and then you become, you know, have learned helplessness and then you don't even want to do that thing at all. People who do this with others generally get pretty angry. He should have, I don't know, paid for dinner. She should have been nicer to me, Mm -hmm. right? And you get angry because you're living in a world of shoulds and you get frustrated. You get angry, irritated, and you hang on to that should as if it means something. And that kind of reminds me of another distortion that we'll talk about. But like, it's kind of like this ideal of how people need to behave. And it's very parental. I see you almost did it there. It's a trap. It is a trap. It's It's always a trap. I pride myself on, okay, never. I'm not going to say never, but rarely saying should. And I've trained my 12-year-old to never say should. Never. Never. (laughs) And he doesn't. (laughs) Once in a blue moon, Once in a blue I moon. do catch you. You really? I, well, yeah, but it's very rare. It's yeah. like Haley's Comet rare. It's yeah. very rare. Yes. Yeah, I'm very, very mindful of it. And believe me, I make mistakes for sure. But sometimes there's good shoulds. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a good should? A good should. Can you think of one? You should brush your... Well, I mean, even that, no. I don't know. Think of a moral should. Something that is moral, not immoral. <laughs> I have a whole reading on this. You want to others as you'd have done unto you. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, the only one that I that comes to guilt. mind is right? because <laughs> there's some shitting in there. The only yeah. one that comes to mind are like something that's good for the universe or good for like the universal like population. I should not murder. You know, I guess that would be a good one. I should not murder yeah, my neighbor. That's something everybody needs to tell themselves when they well, look at themselves in the mirror. Yeah, so this became actually with some people like a philosophical kind of debate about good shoulds. And I found reading in, I want to say it was a CBT book for sure. And I have it copied and it really went through the good shoulds, you know, like things that would count as a should. So they're not eradicated completely, but they generally fall under the umbrella of morality and good for the society as a whole. You know, is it a good rule? Because shoulds are rules. Kind of a form of civic humanism. Yeah, I guess you can really pull it apart and find good examples of that, right? All right, so we're going to go into our game and we're going to do a little different dynamic that we normally do i'm going to name some situations and anthony is going to i guess identify what distortion that could be or would be it could just be a thought it doesn't have to be like a potential situation and we will most likely go continue on with the list uh, yeah we'll um, get through all of them with with episode 17 we'll be we'll call it uh thinking traps do yeah everybody loves a sequel all right i need to get my taxes done by october 15th I need to get my taxes done. Okay, that's not catastrophizing. That would be... It could be. It, well, it <laughs> and it's going to be terrible. And it's a form of a should. I would say it is because I, I didn't want to say should because then it's obvious. Right. But like the need to becomes demanding. I would like to get Okay, okay. Now okay. remember, you. yeah, you kind of need to. You don't I, well, see, have that's to. a personal preference of mine. I have to tell myself I need to. Well, there's just a consequence for it. There's always a consequence. Like, okay, you, if you don't hand your taxes in by October 15th, if you have an extension, you pay a penalty on right, it. Right, I don't want to do that. So I need to get my taxes done. <laughs> <laughs> right, you don't want to have that's, But th- I'm that's okay with telling... I'm okay with being tough enough on myself to tell myself I need to, and I'm not going to, like, you know, wallow in the fetal position because I'm Some hard on myself. Do. That's me. Uh, you know, I could deal with that. My skin's that thick. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next one. People are always mean to me. Overgeneralizing. Mm-hmm. I can't say it, but mm-hmm. overgeneralizing. <laughs> right. It's a global statement. Right? Yes. Okay. And maybe they are, but maybe it has something to do with you. No, I'm just kidding. 
maybe there's some truth to it, right? Some truth in jest. Okay, so some of these are easy though because there's the keywords and. Well, that's that, that's, that's good. I, well, this I just learned. So I know you're. So this is good for me. This is your. I got my training wheels on, but I'm. <laughs> you're in your I got infancy. my balance. I'm working on my balance. Okay. I have to be the best chef in the world. Yeah, that's a should. Because mm-hmm. I have to be. I have to be. Yeah, and sometimes they can have a combined. We can have all three in one sentence, maybe. Ooh, we can so, have an overgeneralizing. But if I say I want something, that's not a should, because it's something that you are. It's a goal that you're working on. I would like to. Yes, that's kind like, of a trick. Like to, but I want to. That means I'm going to do it. I'm focused, and it's not like it's a burden. It's. I get up in the morning and I can't wait to right. continue on. It's like a purpose. So that was a trick one kind of actually. Okay. I didn't mean it to be. But yeah, I want to is actually the better way of saying it. So I must, how about if we said I must right. do this thing? Like right. what did I say I must? Yeah, but yeah. if you're telling somebody, you can't tell them that you should want to. Again, it's the parental mm-hmm. part of it mm-hmm. could be tricky. But telling yourself something is way easier mm-hmm. because you can, you, I want to, I need to. Also reframing Have it as I would. Good. Yeah, if yeah. we're replacing shoulds with woulds or coulds are, are a better way to go. Okay. I'm going to go to work today and I'm going to get really far behind in my project. And then my boss is going to get mad at me and I'm going to get fired and I'm going to lose my house. And I'm going to be on the street with nothing but my bags. You should do a better job. That's catastrophizing because, yeah. I mean, this on and on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I mean, well, we all do it. And it's like, it's, do I? you know. I don't do that. Well, no, no, no. We all, we all, the audience do it. We, all of us, all of us. Uh, I've been you know, training for so long. Yes, untrained. Uh, <laughs> I try not to. I try yeah. to go into action planned. I'm, I'm one to be action planned. But yes, we all do these things. We all have the tendency to do these I've noticed you, not to that extent, but, you know, at times like, overthink things a little bit well i think we all overthink things a little bit maybe not to the degree of catastrophizing and then i'm dead on the street or i'm fired and my career's over and i'm in jail i mean like but some people do go to that ridiculous point Mm -hmm. right yeah Mm -hmm. so i like these thinking traps can Um, you come up with a thinking trap with all three like adding all three of them together oh yeah that's a challenge right (sighs) A should an overgeneralized catastroph- uh, I, catastrophization okay. in one well it doesn't have to be one sentence but one situation i always i should always no i well, no. <laughs> i always make things harder than they have to be because i should prepare better and i don't and when i don't then i'm just a disappointment to my friends my family my job my country wow and you're a terrible i'm citizen. just a loser so there you go. There's all three. Wow. Kind Look of at that. On the in fly. The same on the fly. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you, get, you get an A plus. Thank you. On this segment. Um, I got an A plus for Thinking Trap 101. Thinking Trap 101. All right. So let's summarize. Okay. Do you want to summarize? Or? Yes. Yeah, okay. So this is what I learned today. I learned that people are their worst enemy, that if they knew how powerful thoughts were, they would never have a negative thought again about themselves because we are our own worst enemy. Because people can still be treat us badly, but then we can make that into more than it has to be. And then or we can just invent things that are going to, you know, hinder us in life. It's not even there. 
I know this must have been the overused statement or quote I've used, but I think I mentioned this before. Imagination, worrying about something is a waste of good imagination. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and these and thinking traps are all Thinking good examples. traps are, they are. And especially the catastrophizing, because sitting and worrying is unproductive worry without a coping plan. And sitting and shaming yourself for something you should have done, it's in the past. Like there's nothing you can do about it. You're going to beat yourself up for, I should have not eaten that cookie. I mean, geez, you got to really forgive yourself for these types of things. And again, it's a matter of being insightful into catching these thinking traps and forgiving yourself when you have them. It is in a contest of who who has better, less thinking traps. So here's, I mean, here's a way to spin that should. So the person, oh, I shouldn't have done this and I shouldn't have done that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. But maybe you should learn from those mistakes and not do them again. If you really need to use that word. Use it, Use it that way, good. which is, yeah, it maybe yeah. can, you know, help you out in the future. Okay, if, you're, if they're going to insist on should. If that's really what they, you know. they need to shame themselves. For yeah, they, they, <laughs> they need to live. Hey, whatever blows your hair back, if that's who you have to be. Right, and you want to overgeneralize that the entire population functions a certain way, then sure. <laughs> An right. entire group of people, then. You got to trick them, see? You got to, uh, <laughs> for their own good. So um, what are we going to practice this week, Anthony? Do we have any homework this week? <laughs> I'm going to. Well, I've always, since I met you, I try to avoid the shoulds. And right. I've, I've done really, really good. Uh, really good. I haven't heard you say it in a good. long time. Today is the most time, the most well, days we've shoulded. Yes. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I don't think I overgeneralize. I really don't. But I am guilty of catastrophizing to a degree. And I need to stop doing that. And that's something I think, didn't you say, I mean, that's the one you said out of all of them that you see most people having. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. It's funny because it's such a funny word, like funny word, that people tend to remember that, like, oh, catastrophizing. And then they use it as a part of their language. So it's more memorable maybe than the other ones. And they identify with it because they're like, oh gosh, I know that I do this. They have insight into doing it. And then we make a joke out of it, you know, and then they'll say, I know Dr. F, I'm catastrophizing. And like, we just kind of laugh about it. Like, Okay. So it, you get some distance from it. And I'd say that by far, it's the biggest one. And like I said, I have worksheets specifically on decatastrophizing. You know, um, I don't have one for the other distortions unless somebody out there wants to make one for me. But those are the ones that I think come up the most with people, especially with, uh, like I said, that have an anxiety disorder. All right. So we're going to wrap it up for today, this Sunday afternoon. So as always, thanks for listening to our show. Catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychologycenter.com or talktherapycbt.com. Email us if you have any questions at info at innerbalancepsychologycenter.com and give us your feedback. Give us suggestions for shows. We're doing best we can. I think you guys like it so far. Yeah, let's Not hear from sure. some people. I mean, you know. I, we, I, well, I hey, I got feedback yesterday from... From someone, remember about the Oh yes, 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 yeah. No, and and yeah, obviously. Although it was verbal, it was. Well, yeah, and which it, it, you know, hey, we'll take what we can get, but you know, we just. We usually get positive feedback so far. People think you know we have good topics, and oh wow, I didn't know that. I'm more interested. I mean that, but that's great too. But I mean, I'm more interested in like, okay, where do you? What do you guys like? Is there something you you want us to go? Like, what do you want us to maybe do? Work on topics. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Take an inventory, I'll ask people in my life, patients, you know, also just like, hey, what do you want to talk about? And I love hearing suggestions because we can, oh, wow, we'll just throw that in there. Yeah, we give the people what they want. We try, we try to. All right, so remember to stop it and give yourself a chance.